Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on the Working Change Podcast. My name is Nate. And I'm Marla. And we're here today with you on the Virtual Couch Network. Thank you to Tony Overbay for providing that opportunity for us. We wanted to obviously give you guys a quick little bit of information about us because you don't know us. Or you may have heard me before on on a few of Tony's podcasts, but this is the first podcast that uh, Marla and I are doing together. Um, Marla, we have been married for two years and (laughs) three months. (laughs) Two years and some change. (laughs) Okay. And um, we have between us seven kids. Seven kids. Lots of kids. Yeah. Four from my previous marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, Two from yours. And one together. Yes. One surprise. Yes. Like a bonus child. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, and we work in the mental health field. I recently graduated from Northwestern University or, you know, back in 2020. And I work as an associate professional clinical counselor under Tony Overbay, uh, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so I'm open for business to see people here in the state of California, both in person, if you're in the Sacramento area, or remotely, if you live in the state but aren't local here. I also am a certified life coach, so I'm able to see people from outside the state that are interested in coaching for a variety of reasons. I typically see individuals. I specialize mainly in like uh, depression, anxiety, managing ADHD, addiction. Those are all areas that I have some personal experience, plus the education is, is helpful in uh, in treating um, different causes for those things because not everyone has the same experience. And so we're kind of making ourselves known because you, what are you up to? What are you doing? Tell us about what <laughs> you're doing. I'm doing a lot of studying. <laughs> yes. I am studying hard. Okay. Um, I am currently in a program at Pepperdine University. It is a clinical psychology program for a master's degree in marriage family therapy. And so I am working towards getting my license in marriage family therapy, hopefully in the next couple of years. I am excited. My undergrad I did in communication sciences and disorders. So I got, I got a bachelor's degree in that. And that's a really long name for just speech therapy or audiology. It's a jumping point for both of them. So if you wanted to become a speech therapist or an audiologist, you, the way you got your bachelor's degree in is, is the way, what someone would get their degree. Correct. In. Okay. Yeah. It's, you can't do anything else with it, but get those two degrees and gotcha. they are further degrees. So I actually got into a master's program to do speech therapy, but I met you and then I decided, you know what? I remember that eight year old little Marla wanted to become a psychologist and why not go to work all day with my husband? I brought you to the dark side. <laughs> it was great because I really do enjoy emotions mm-hmm. and I enjoy behavior. So this is right up my alley. I feel at home finally. So this is good. Okay, Perfect. Um, and Marla is available for coaching and we have an email if people would like to reach out to us. What's that email? Working change coaching at gmail.com. Okay. So you can reach either of us at that email. Uh, we also invite people to email us if they have suggestions for future podcasts or yeah. if they just want to interact with us generally, we're happy to do that. Um, we want to talk about what we, what you guys want to hear. Right. I mean, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so since we don't have any suggestions yet, we came up with today's <laughs> topic ourselves. Because we have a lot of problems with this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I think everybody does. 
Typically. I mean, there's there's a fair amount of people. Some people are, are really tuned into their emotions and they really know what's going on. And, and so they may not necessarily have a struggle with this. But if you do, this might be helpful information. Or if you have kids. Because I think kids, it takes a lot of work to help them through this. Yeah. And I agree with that. Kids um, require a lot of education and training and understanding this, these concepts can be really helpful for them for later right. in their life. So what are these concepts we're talking about? <laughs> we're talking about the concepts of primary and secondary emotions. We're going to spend most of our time talking about secondary emotions. Right. Um, primary emotions, be, typically they're less problematic. It's typically the secondary emotions that, that really uh, get people in. So trouble. what's a primary emotion? <clears throat> yeah, good question. So a primary emotion, <clears throat> excuse me, is an emotion that we just have at any point when we see something, when we, you know, something happens to us. It's just, it's an instantaneous emotion and it is essentially like not thought about. It just comes. Reactionary. Goes. Well, yeah. Well, no. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'm trying to think of the exact definition of reactionary. Secondary emotions, definitely. There's a reactionary piece, but I guess with primary emotions, there is too, because you're having a, re- a reaction that's non-voluntary. It just, it just hits you but the thing with primary emotions is they're coming all the time so throughout the day you're constantly getting hit with emotions sometimes we have experiences you know throughout our day or week or whatever where we end up finding ourselves um starting to focus highly on an event and what we think about what happened with that event and then we might have other emotions so to give you a a quick breakdown or quick example um i might say I had a project at work and my responsibility was say on a team and we were to create something and then give it to our boss for review. And then if, if our boss liked it, then maybe it would be instituted within the company. And let's say in this example, um, as part of this team, I didn't do a very good job of sharing my ideas. And let's say that I also didn't love some of what was coming up and so, but I just didn't want to rock the boat. I just kind of wanted to go along with everyone else. And then in this scenario, let's say the, we submitted and the boss comes back and we get some bad feedback and he doesn't like. So obviously you're going to have feelings about that. Yeah, you're going to go to the bathroom and cry. Right, right. <laughs> That's what I would so, and I And really what the average person might initially feel is, is sadness. But there could be multiple reasons that you feel that sadness. And let's say as you start to think about it, your your sadness starts to turn into other things. Let's oh, say anger. right. Let's say you get angry at your boss yeah. or you're frustrated at your coworkers. And and really if if you start to break down those emotions, the most important emotion to us is the primary emotion. But we really get caught up in the secondary emotion. So I've heard that there are how many primary emotions? I've seen it anywhere from four to eight. I don't know. Some people get yeah. crazy and they put 20, 26. Yeah, I read one one particular article where, where they believed that there was as many as 20. Mm-hmm. And I recall actually reading, I was reading a, a paper by a clinician that was talking about secondary emotions and, and primary and secondary emotions. And his opinion was that primary emotions, there's an unlimited amount. I mean, as many emotions as there are are, are primary emotions. I don't know if I really have an opinion on that because right. to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a newer clinician, so I'm still kind of working through that. I can tell you kind of what I've read. Um, one thing to understand about the idea of primary and secondary emotions is 
it's observable, but it's still somewhat theoretical. And what I mean by that is there's not some test out there that you can take that will definitively tell you, oh, this is your primary emotion and this is your secondary emotion. Like it's all based on a person's experience. So we kind of have to dig into it ourselves. Well, I think people are complex. We all have different experiences. So it's not possible to just say, these are the three things or the five things that you always have. Right. Because we don't always have the same experiences. Right. There's a lot of nature and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of nurture that goes into making a person. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, when When you continue down the road of of let's say counseling theories. Mm -hmm. So counseling theories exist as a framework for therapists to use to engage in counseling with their clients. And some counseling theories are stronger with some problems and other counseling theories are stronger with other problems. So for example, um, I have had clients with, with pretty severe anxiety and panic disorder. And I have found that cognitive behavioral therapy is a good framework for right. those. Be- just or because CBT is some It's known as CBT, yeah, yeah in, the, in the clinical world. And, and for some people that might be more familiar with it. And so there tends to be value for, for people to, to know and understand different theories because they might have strengths and weaknesses that help based on whatever the person is coming in for. So there was a... a a uh, theoretical orientation counseling theory that was created called dialectical behavioral therapy. It was specifically created to treat people with borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And if anybody knows someone with borderline personality disorder, they probably see pretty wide emotional swings. Um, There was a, a, a book written um, called I love you. I hate you. And so sometimes that's kind of the catchphrase, like people with, with uh, this, this, issue tend to find themselves on the extremes emotional wise so so dbt is is very has a very strong belief about primary and secondary emotions and i actually found um some some basically some articles and things like that online that uh, that talked about dbt and 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 how dbt conceptualizes primary and secondary emotions. So I wanted to share that real quick because I thought that was helpful. So DBT um, has a a belief system that there are eight primary emotions and they, they divide them up um, or they're not divided, but they list them as, yeah, yeah, as anger, sorrow, disgust, fear, guilt, and shame. Uh, Those are one Mm -hmm. joy, interest, and surprise. Now, when, so is it is it just me or are most of these like negative <laughs> feeling? There's only a couple that are like, yay. Yeah, well, surprise <laughs> could go either way, right? Right, true. In- interest, I think, is a good thing. Joy is a good thing. But yeah, there's prob- <laughs> there's more negative than positive. We need some more positive emotions there. Yeah. <laughs> so what I what I read is I was researching this topic. So so to be to be fair to everyone, I my program, I went to Northwestern University, it was a psychodynamic program. And psychodynamic theory is based heavily on what happens to us in childhood and how that affects us as we grow. It's based on the idea that we have attachment styles that could be affected by that. It's based on the idea that everyone has inner conflict and we're managing that inner conflict. So so those are, are big pieces to psychodynamic theory we didn't talk a ton about primary and secondary emotions that was not a real big part of of what we do the more i do counseling the more i find it really interesting because i feel like the primary and secondary emotion concept 
comes into play when people are coming in because often what you see is people are really hung up on some secondary emotions. So what is a secondary emotion? You keep alluding to this, but what what would be a good definition for secondary emotion? So a secondary emotion is an emotion that we feel when we have a thought, so some sort of cognition about a, an experience with which we had a primary emotion. So we've already already experienced some kind of emotion. The secondary emotion is the additional emotion that we're now experiencing because we're using some set of rules in our head or something we were taught as a kid to make a judgment. Okay. So So, I've got an expectation or a rule. mm -hmm. Something happened to me initially. I had this primary emotion and now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, hey, they broke my rule. Or that's not what I expected. So now I've got another emotion to layer on top of that first emotion. Right. That maybe even just left. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you go back to my original example where you know I, I, mm-hmm. I had this kind of failure at work and I was initially sad. Right. Primary well, sadness, emotion. Primary emotion, sadness. Secondary emotion, I started thinking about it. Well, that's not fair my boss to criticize me. I wasn't even doing that much stuff in this. And that's, you know, now I'm kind of I'm mad at him. I'm frustrated with my coworkers. Well, they made bad decisions. You know, so now at this point, you can kind of see what the secondary emotion is doing. The secondary right. emotion is pointing negative things at other people. Okay. Now, sor- sorrow or sadness is a vulnerable emotion. Right. So a lot of people don't necessarily feel comfortable with sorrow or sadness, they might feel more comfortable being angry at somebody else than feeling sad about themselves. So would, would you say that maybe a secondary emotion uh, is an issue with us being vulnerable? In some cases. Now, okay. the interesting thing about secondary emotions um, is, is they become habitual. So, for okay. example, um, if, if anyone knows anyone in their life that kind of tends to get angry frequently... Oftentimes, that's kind of a conditioned or learned right. reaction. So I think I've got an example here. Of yeah. This. I, I, my, um, I had an experience of like a betrayal trauma. Mm-hmm. And typically before this, I, I think that I wasn't a very angry person. Like didn't have a lot of angry outbursts. But um, upon experiencing this betrayal... I was really sad. I think my primary emotion was sad and and felt abandoned and lonely by this experience. It was confusing. So my secondary emotion, though, was anger. You know, I'm angry at you. Right. You didn't, you know, how could you do this to me? And why would you do this? And and that anger persisted. I mean, we talk, sometimes we talk about um, your anger's like hijacking you. You know? Yes, kidnapped you. <laughs> yes. My anger kidnapped me. My secondary emotion kidnapped my body. Like every day it was the same song and dance. I was sad, but my anger showed up to protect my sadness. So my secondary emotion was driving everything I did. But it was a habit. Like I would just automatically wake up and I would be angry mm-hmm. about it. So it is a habitual thing. You know, I had to relearn that that is not what I was really feeling. What I was really feeling was is I was really sad. Right. Well, so you were feeling all of it. Right. But you had you had some feelings that were related to your cognition or your thinking right. about what had happened. And, you and had I could s- control that anger. I could tell myself to some degree that this was not what I needed to be feeling. So and that's an interesting point because because, as you know, I have um, clinical depression, major depressive mm-hmm. disorder, and I have had some pretty serious like depressive episodes 
And at one point when we were, you know, just getting to know each other, I was going through one of these. Right. And if you were to tell me that I have some kind of control over that, I would tell you. I think I did tell you that. I know. And what did I, and do you remember what I said to you? Uh, Yeah, you were mad. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) maybe I'm not the crazy one here because that sounds nuts. Yeah, you were, you were always complaining that I was a little bit too sunshiny for you. Right. You know, that, that you couldn't control it. And there is, I think... As we slow this down, there is a biological piece to this. Some people do have chemical imbalances that they cannot control, that they do need medical help to help them with. I, we're talking about the part that you can't control with your mind, that you can you can slow down and rethink something and retrain your mind to go, to move forward. Right. And I think along those lines, to me, if you look at, at where we get where we end up having problems with secondary emotion, particularly negative secondary emotions is, is the idea of judgment. Yeah. So we have a rule or expectation. And in the case of someone that has experienced betrayal trauma, the sadness is there, but then it's like, well, why would you do that to me? I know I'm not doing that to you. Like you have an expectation, which is you don't treat people that way. Right. And now you're dealing with frustration and your, and anger. And the, the sad part is, is that's true. Like you, you, you don't treat people that way or, you know, many people, most people that I know don't want to be treated that way. Um, but we're left feeling powerless. Right. So the interesting thing about anger is anger is a fear or, or excuse me, is a motivation of action. So it protects us. Right. So it, at this point, there are points in our life where we may need an anger response because we're in a situation where we might be in danger or something like that. Absolutely. I mean, we have a fight or flight right. built into our brain for mm-hmm. that very purpose. Yeah. Right, right. And I think it's important to understand. Now, having worked with, with people in the past with anger issues, my recommendation for everyone is to be very, very cautious about how much power they give their anger. Um, I, I've tended to see multiple people make very poor decisions because they're overwhelmed with anger. So in, in my work, I, I, I always am cautious when I say, you know what, anger is an important emotion, but my recommendation for people is to use it sparingly. Sleep on it. Yeah. 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 If you have have an important decision or you have something that you really want to try and, and, and mend, that anger is probably not going to help you. Right. Yeah, that's not that's not your nego- your your power position from negotiation. Like let the anger go and find another emotion to to hang on to. Typically hope. <laughs> so why are secondary emotions important? So that's an excellent question and my opinion is secondary emotions are super important because we tend to see that that's where people get stuck. Um, we tend to see patterns so, for example, if I am meeting with someone that has an anxiety disorder, what I often see is a pattern where they're comfortable with a certain emotion, which is going to sound weird because they're coming for help because they're anxious. But people that are anxious tend to be comfortable with a fear emotion. Like that's for whatever reason, that's just kind of what they've been socialized or conditioned or, or learned. Yeah. Right. That just seems to be the emotion that they kind of are most comfortable with. You see it with people who are depressed. You know, like I mm-hmm. mentioned, I have depression. I have anxiety too, so I kind of vacillate. You know, oftentimes people that come into me that are depressed are more comfortable with sadness. 
So they might not be comfortable with anger and their primary emotion about something might be anger and they move it to sadness because they're non-confrontational and because it's easier for them to blame themselves for, for someone else doing something to them than it is for them to feel like, you know, that was, was something they're angry about because they didn't feel that that was fair. Although if they're feeling, if they're thinking that, then it's probably a secondary emotion too. So, you know, you really have to dig into that. The other really important thing about primary emotions is primary emotions are important because they communicate something to us. And if you go back to my original example of of my failure with the job, if I were to be as honest as I could and I looked at that primary emotion and I said, that primary emotion is teaching me something. What am I sad about? And the truth is I'm sad because I had different ideas that the boss might have liked that might have been better for everyone if I had voiced those. So what do I need to learn so the next time this doesn't happen? Voice my opinions. And guess what? You might voice your opinion. The boss may have hated that too. But at very least, you felt like you were heard and you contributed. And if somebody else doesn't like it, you know, hopefully we can build a certain amount of resiliency and not take that to heart and mean that we're you know, bad at our job. It just means they didn't like that particular idea. Right. So, so I'm having this little kind of aha moment. Okay. Yeah. Right? Go with that. What do you got? <laughs> so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking like my primary emotions are almost like this small child that like isn't fully grown yet. That, mm-hmm. that doesn't have like the kind of communication skills to get what you want. But my secondary emotion, it's like this bodyguard that I feel like I live in that state more because I haven't given enough time to my primary to say, hey, what is what does it actually need? But if I can get my bodyguard to kind of go to the side and I can let this child and this primary emotion speak, then I'm going to be happier. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, because if we listen to those primary emotions, those are the things that will help us grow as people. Right. Take those suggestions. Find ways to improve them. Focus on those. And I agree with you. Like the idea of a bodyguard makes a lot of sense. Because I'm vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to protect me. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to have my secondary emotions step Mm -hmm. in and be angry and frustrated and and all these negative things that I really don't want. What I want is that that problem to be resolved. And and I need the tools on how to do that. But I can't do that if I'm so busy wrapped up in with my bodyguard of secondary emotion. Right. Well, and and I think the other thing to to focus on when when you brought up the example of betrayal trauma in your life and the Mm -hmm. anger, you know, what is that anger trying to accomplish? The anger is trying to to force and maybe that, maybe that's too strong of a word. It's it's trying to force somebody to stop doing something. It's like, stop hurting me. Stop hurting me. And so you're trying to force someone to do that. And the truth is, and this is really tricky in relationships, is sometimes that is is really hard when you have a person that's doing something that is painful to the other partner that they just don't want to deal with. You know, they're like, I, you know what, I don't want to deal with your anger and I'm either okay with what I'm doing or I, for whatever reason, am, am not able to stop right now. And, and obviously the hope is, is someday they will be able to stop. And in some cases they're not and the relationship ends. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of other emotion that come out because of that. And obviously, you know, it can be just, you know, an emotion explosion. Ride. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's the beauty of, of therapy is, is especially if, if you're able to work with someone that understands some of the things you and I have both been divorced and experienced um, some betrayal. And, and so certainly we understand the immense challenges associated with that. But you're absolutely right. Like your bodyguard, your secondary emotions are going to want to protect you, you know, 
And and you probably would be willing to admit, and maybe I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but do you look back on your experience and see, you know what, these are things that I did wrong because I was too I was too caught up in my secondary emotions of anger or frustration mm-hmm. or disgust or whatever things you felt. Yeah, I mean, I really wish um, that I had known some of these things. You know, that I was doing some of those patterns. Um, because it would have been helpful, I think, either with um, my own healing or the, some of the choices that I made. Obviously, like you said, I was never going to change this person. This person had their own um, choices to make, but it would have helped me protect me. Mm-hmm. It would have helped me become a better person instead of falling into some really bad habits that now I look at and I'm like, ooh, that was not great. And I think that that's, that's, to me, what understanding mental health is all about. Right. Is this is where I end and you begin. Right. And, and being able to say, you know what, that decision that you're making hurts my feelings. I'm sad. When I think about it, I get angry. I get frustrated. I think it's gross. You know, I have all of these emotions that are wrapped up in all of this. Um but what we what we typically like to see from people is an understanding of that's on you. Like the decisions you are making affect me, and I'm going to do everything in my power not to allow you. Right, and that's to a make whole other me podcast, a, a worse person. Right, like right. how it to is. deal with that? That it could is. be talked about for hours. I yeah, think. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I, you know, obviously the sky's the limit. This podcast is is essentially focused on general mental health issues. Right. Um, relationships being a big part of that. So if that's th- something that people want to hear more about, we can certainly talk more about that. Um, I think we'll just actually go ahead and end here. This is going to be a relatively short podcast. I, I I don't know if we're going to have a certain time we're going to shoot for. Or my thought is if we could do something in the 30-minute range, that makes sense because that's that works for me. My ADHD gets a little <laughs> bit sidetracked after a little bit. But we'll see. we'll see how it goes. Some topics might be a little bit longer. Um, again, you can reach us at workingchangecoaching at gmail.com. We also, um, well, I also have, um, my, my own email. If it's easier, Nate Christensen counseling at gmail.com. If, if you're interested in counseling or coaching for me, or you can just reach out to both of us on that Gmail. Our, our hope is, is that we'll drop these every two weeks. Yeah. Um, like Marla said, she is in a master's program right now and we have a young child, uh, not to mention our other kids. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out exactly how, how often we can do these. I know Tony does his weekly, so maybe someday we'll get there, but right now we'll commit to every other week and see how it goes. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today. We hope to hear from you and have an amazing week.